Really? Ah, welcome, you guys. Welcome. Uh, Online, we're glad that you're here with us as well. Um, Happy Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving week. Yes, um, if you were here last week, we did lock Pastor Todd out. He was supposed to sleep at our house, and we made him sleep at the neighbor's. And basically, it's payback because he posted this picture on social media. (laughs) So don't mess with me, Todd, or you will sleep at the lengths, okay? Actually, it was an accident. Someone else who lives at my house was supposed to take care of it. That's all I'm saying, okay? Um, Let me start by uh, playing you a little video, and I want to ask you something as we get ready for Christmas Eve. Watch this. I never felt like I had a relationship with God. I never, I just pretty much always felt lost and always felt, I mean, I guess lost is probably the best word. Kind of left us searching, and, you know, we both talked about that. Like, we we need to find something that's going to, give us deeper meaning in our life versus going through the motions. He would always say, if you find something, I'm willing to go, but you haven't found anything. And I said, well, how do you find something? You, I don't know. I don't know how you find something different. I have no idea. So I really didn't. I was about as lost as you could be. And so that's kind of where we were when Jen approached us about Parkview. So our neighbors um, are also friends of ours. We became friends with them through our kids. And then one February afternoon, she called me and said, what are you guys doing this afternoon? And I said, nothing, we're just sitting around. And she said, why don't you follow us out to Parkview? It's the new church we're going to. I know you would love it. We love it. It was good to feel something during church and after you left. The pastor's connecting with you. Um, You can relate very much so. The Bible's been broken down for you, which was, you know, I had a very hard time with understanding the Bible until we attended here. Best thing for me um, was realizing I never understood grace, ever. I grew up thinking I had to do things and be a certain way, and that I was not loved for just me um, and who I am. And I remember, it's really emotional for me. Um, Tim talked about grace. I had never heard that message in 40-something years. It was a, a moment for me that I won't forget, and I was sobbing because it hit me right in the heart, like, wow, this is what I've been searching for my whole life. Like, I can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and I am saved by grace. Tim and the rest of the pastors, as Linda said, convey that same message. Wherever you're from, wherever your life circumstances are, you've got a home here at Parkview. What I wanted you to hear, um, yeah, uh, what, I, what I wanted you to hear is the power of an invitation. I mean, all the first time in her life she understood grace. How important is that, okay? And all it took was an invitation. All they said was, hey, why don't you just come and go with us? And, and, and so as we're getting ready for Christmas Eve, I, I want to encourage you to think about who you're going to invite. Do you know that we have 19 Christmas Eve services? 19. 
Okay, five at the new New Lenox campus, which will be the grand opening of that campus, four at Homer, and ten at the Orland campus. I mean, we start on Wednesday, and Christmas is on Sunday. You understand. Well, the reason we do this, and we had 24,000 people come last year, the reason we do this is because this is the time of year that people need hope. This is the time of year that they're open for the message. And, and, and a lot of you are like, man, what, could I, what can I do for God? I, I can't sing. And I know you can't sing. The people around you, they know you can't sing, okay? So don't sing. I know 98% of the people in, in the world are more afraid of public speaking than they are death. So you don't want to get up and do this, what we do. But what could you do? You can invite. All you got to do is, I mean, you don't have to ask them theological questions. You don't have to ask them if they died tonight. Do they know where they're going to go? You don't, all you got to do is say, hey, we're going to go. You want to go. It's going to be fun. And I'm excited about the service. I'm excited about what's getting ready to happen. So I want you to think about who you could be inviting along the way to Christmas Eve, to our Christmas services. People are open. And, and just so you know, the reason that we're building this brand new campus in New Lenox instead of adding on to here because I mean we could do that we could make this bigger and we could we could do more and logistically it just doesn't make sense but it's also because we want to take the church to the people not make the people come to the church we want to go to your neighborhood. So we've got a campus in Homer. We've got a campus in New Lenox. Everything is exactly the same as it is here, just on a smaller scale. And we're going to be doing that. So I want to challenge you to think about jumping in where you're close to, okay? If you're closer to Homer, if you're closer in New Lenox, then think about jumping in and attending and serving there, freeing up some space here, helping them get rocking and rolling, getting everything ready. And the, and the last thing is I just want to encourage you to pray about one person, that God will send your way, that you will invite to Christmas Eve. We'll have ways to help you do that along the way, and we'll do this together. But the power of an invitation, it's amazing. You just saw it. You're gonna, you, you have that opportunity to, to share Jesus with people in their lives. So let me just pray for it. God, I just want to pray right now that you will be with our congregation as we get ready uh, for this awesome holiday. I mean, it is an incredible time, and we are all needing hope, I think, this year more than ever before. And um, we, we have the hope of Jesus, you becoming a baby, coming down to this earth, humbling yourself and living among us. That, it, it is an amazing story. Emmanuel, God is with us. That's hope. We need to share it. Just bring the people into our lives. Help us to think about who they might be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so it is Thanksgiving week, and this is actually my favorite holiday. I mean, I, I love Christmas. I'm excited about the Christmas Eve service. I'm going to blow up your nativity scene. I'm telling you that right now. I mean, but you, some stuff that is just going to blow your, I mean, it's going to blow up your whole thing and it's going to be fun. But Thanksgiving is still my favorite. Theologically, Christmas and Easter, definitely more meaningful. But I usually have 20,000 of my closest friends over for 10 services for those. And Thanksgiving, we don't do any services, just so you know. No services at all, nothing on Wednesday, nothing on Thursday. I'm going to hang out with my family. It's biblical to give thanks. And it's just a great holiday to me. There's no gifts to buy. There's no trappings of pagan rituals, you know, unless you include deep frying your turkey and peanut oil and setting your house on fire. Other than that, I get to be with my family. And that means a very different thing to me now than it ever did before because my family is scattered all over the place. None of them live here. Here's my, uh, my daughter's wedding this summer in the middle. It's our family picture. I know they're beautiful. Thank you very much. It's my wife's fault. 
Um, my daughter and son-in-law and Charlie on the left are in Nashville. The two newlyweds live in Orange County in California. And the two on the right with Olivia um, are the ones who live in Ventura, California on the north side of LA. So they're all gone. And, and the only time we get to be all together as a family, we see them, but the only time we get to be all together as a family is the holidays and, and maybe a summer vacation, okay? And three of them work for churches now, ironically. So they have the same problem with Christmas and Easter. Becca can't come in until, you know, on December 26th for Christmas because she's working at, at a church. So, so Thanksgiving is just special. And my oldest daughter is pregnant with grandchild number three. Thank you very much. Charlie. Charlie's going to have a little sibling. We don't know what it is yet. Um, Mid-April, and uh, she's due on April 15th. Isn't that great? I mean, and you don't know this, but April 15th is also Easter. That's Easter Saturday. So Jesus is in the tomb and taxes, right? (laughs) Death and taxes all on the same day. Oh, yeah, you're going to hear about that at Easter, but it's okay because Sunday's coming, and so is a baby. We're excited. And this year, I get to have my extended family in. I get to have uh, my parents in. My, my parents, here's a picture of them. My parents are still in good health. They're on the, obviously the ones on the left, the old-looking people. They've been married for uh, 57 years, um, and, 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 and it is going to be awesome. Yeah, you can congratulate them on that. And they're going to talk about genealogy stuff that I don't care about the entire time that we're together, but it's still going to be good to be with our family. And my sister and brother-in-law on the right, they are uh, going to be in from Dallas. They're going to be hanging out with us actually with, with their daughter as well. Double fun for them because my sister is a music teacher in Dallas, high school music teacher all of her life. And one of her former students is Hamilton in Hamilton. So he's playing the lead in Hamilton. So they're going to get to go down there and see that really, really, really fun. So I know it sounds like, man, what an idyllic family situation. As long as you don't try to deep fry the turkey, Tim, sounds like an awesome week for you. And some of you are like, man, your family's like, leave it to Beaver, Harlow. I mean, and mine's like modern family or all in the family or whatever, right? You have no idea what I have to deal with at Thanksgiving. Why don't you come, you know, can I come to your house? And the answer is no, okay? (laughs) I will lock you out like I did Todd. Just don't even try to come, okay? Because I I get it. Many of you are worried, and we all are a little bit worried, that somehow maybe on Thursday it's going to go something like this. That's what you're worried about, isn't it? (laughs) I understand. And especially this year, right? I mean, aren't we all? I mean, we know that with the political situation being what it is and having been such a tough season on our country, that there are struggles here. And I want to, I want to help you to understand something. The truth of the matter is as, as tranquil as my family looks, if I did it on a, like a political map, like we were doing a month ago, my family would look something like this. Okay. Uh, my parents are died in the wool. Republicans have been all of their life. My brother-in-law is from Boston. My sister and he are very much Democrats. They're da- Dallas Democrats, which is very hard to, to be a Democrat in Dallas. You understand that? And, and that's the political map of our family. And I want you to understand, everybody doesn't agree with each other. We're all Christians, um, but, but we see the solutions to the problems that Jesus would want us to fix very differently. And actually, if you took a true political color map of my family, it would look something like this. They got the red and we got the blue and then a bunch of us are purple, maybe a little more red than blue, but it just kind of depends on the thing. And of course, my son-in-law's from England, so he's orange. He doesn't, (laughs) 
he doesn't count. He's still trying to figure out Brexit, okay? uh, Honestly, I think, you know, when you look at this tranquil picture and you think about what's going on underneath, this is important, and especially this year. And I want you to understand something, okay? This is my seventh presidential election as the pastor of this church. I've been here for 26 years, almost 27. The first election was in 1992. It was Hillary's husband, a guy named Bill. Remember that? Impeached by the House, acquitted by the Senate, a lot of unrest. And every time there has been a lot of unrest. And I've led this church through a lot of crazy politics in the last 26 years. Left swings, right swings, hanging chads, right? The first African-American president. This is not the first time in the country that we have been at political unrest. It happens every time. And, and, and this feels different. It feels different to me. It feels like a deep divide. But I was thinking about that this week. Do you know who instituted the first national Thanksgiving for our country? Abraham Lincoln. I mean, George Washington did it, but, but the Thanksgiving ceremony and the day off and all of that was instituted by Abraham Lincoln in 1863 in the middle of legitimate civil war. And here's his proclamation. In the midst of civil war of unequaled magnitude... Peace has been preserved with all other nations. Order has been maintained. Laws have been respected and obeyed. And harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict. I mean, you can look at this civil war, and it's terrible, and I'll admit it, but there's also peace with our countries, and and we've gotten by. The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. And to these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, others have been added. And they are of such an extraordinary nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensitive to the watchful providence of our almighty God. There's other good stuff going on. We've got a civil war, but God has been good to us. These are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, and it seems to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole of American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as thanksgiving and praise to God, our Father, who dwells in the heavens. And I recommend to them that they do also do this with humble penitence for our national disobedience and fervently implore the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation and restore it as soon as is consistent with his divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. That was civil war, legitimate civil war. As a matter of fact, if you've forgotten history, Thanksgiving happened for the very first time when the first English settlers, who for some reason wore belts around their hats, we have no idea why, almost went to war accidentally with the Native Americans. Four settlers were out hunting for food. The Wapanog Indians heard gunshots, thought there was going to be war. Massasoit, the, the chief, came with 90 of his men to see if there was going to be war and found out it was just a misunderstanding, and they all celebrated together 
together in a, in a harvest celebration for three days as they celebrated together. People of very, very different places coming together to say, let's have peace together. And we know that it didn't last and we know how things went, but that's what I'm saying ought to be able to happen this week if we as believers do our part. Gratitude is from the same root word as grace. So we extend grace like it's been extended to us because it is the boundless mercy of God. Thanksgiving is from the same root word as think. So we have to think about this to make it happen. As we head into the holidays, I want us to have gratitude and thanksgiving because we all know that as much as we love thinking about the holidays, they are going to be messy, right? Lori Shaw sent me this. Uh, Dillard's was having a Christmas sale. There will be a special appearance by Satan between the hours of five and nine. (laughs) Satan, I know him. It's true, okay? It's going to happen. He smells like beef and cheese. That's what's going to happen. So here's what I wanted to do today. I want to give you some suggestions on dealing with family at the holidays. And, and I think it will also relate in, to, to people in general that you work with or whatever. If you didn't hear the sermon I did two weeks ago on this subject right before uh, the election happened, please go listen to it online. Very important. I think it will help you. This is a good follow-up for us as we go into the holidays. And I'm going to read to you a big passage from Colossians, okay? Uh, Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. And let me just say right up front. Next March, my wife and I are leading a tour of the steps of Paul. We're going to go over and and go to the places. I've never been over there. I'm excited to go and lead a tour. If you're interested, email my assistant. We'll get you signed up. Um, We're excited to go see all this because I want you to, when you understand the history, it kind of helps, right? Paul is writing to people who are Christians who live in the middle of Roman occupation, all right? Rome is in charge. If you think Trump is scary, (laughs) you have no idea. There is no racial or gender tension at all because women and minorities have no rights whatsoever. And they are either basically slaves or they are actually slaves. These are the people who impale their enemies on poles and light them on fire to light their parties that they have at night. And what does Paul say? Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Get rid of anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. Because here, in this kingdom of God, there is no Gentile or Jew, Democrat, Republican, right? There's no circumcised, there's no uncircumcised, there's no barbarians, Scythians, there's no slave, there's free. But Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion with kindness, with humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And by the way, be thankful. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let let, let me just help you to process this, okay? First and foremost, we are called to live at peace with everyone. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the cheesemakers. 
I have to do Monty Python every once in a while. I have a British son-in-law. Peacemakers are blessed, okay? This is on us. This is on us. This is not like you're blessed when you have peace. This is blessed when you are the peacemaker. As a matter of fact, when you look at some of these difficult sayings of Jesus, many of them have to do with difficult relationships, all right? Listen to this. If somebody strikes you on one cheek, you should turn the other cheek. Really? If somebody asks for your cloak, you should give them your shirt as well. Really? If somebody tries to force you to go one mile, that was the Roman law. The Roman soldiers could force you, if they were walking along, to carry their stuff for up to one mile. That was the law. Jesus said, I don't care about the law. Go the second mile. Really? Yeah, because what Jesus is saying is that life in God's kingdom is supposed to be different than life as it is naturally lived. There's a God's kingdom and there's the world's kingdom and we're supposed to be different. Listen to this again. You must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. And instead, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as member of, uh, members of one body, you were called to peace. I've been fixing up our uh, youngest daughter's bedroom, um, painting it, you know, replacing some furniture that needed to be replaced, um, hand-me-down stuff in there, you know, youngest kid. She always got all the, you know, last stuff. And, uh, and when she was in junior high, she wanted her room painted hot pink. I mean, it was hot pink uh, with black, like, you know, dressers and stuff. I mean, you know, just that, that's what she wanted. So, you know, she gets to be in high school. She's like, can we paint my room? I'm like, no, no, I'll paint your room when you get married. You got to live with it. This was your choice. This is what dads do. Okay. And we have to teach, you know, responsibility. Well, guess what? She got married and uh, we made her poor husband sleep in the hot pink room last time they were here. I'm like, okay, I'll fix it before Thanksgiving. So we're fixing up the room and then we're looking for a few different pieces of furniture. And my wife's at home goods and she texts me a picture of like a hundred dollar mirror that's got a chip out of it, you know, out of the end of it. And it's, it's there for 40 bucks. She says, what do you think? I said, yeah, absolutely buy it. And this is a little advice to you as you head into the holiday season. You're going to find things along the way that have a little tag on them that says, as is, right? Or sometimes they say, slightly irregular. And what does that mean? It means you're going to have to paint, you know, paint over the little chip in the mirror and don't worry about it because she's never there anyway. It means that the zipper's not going to work right. There might be a stain and don't bring it back to us because you bought it at a huge discount because it is as is. John Ortberg said, wouldn't it be great if there was a truth in advertising law for people? right? Like, like single people. Wouldn't it be great if you got on one of those dating service sites or a singles bar or a church group or whatever, and everybody had to wear a name tag, slightly bruised self-esteem, you know, right there. <laughs> Mildly impaired ability to commit, you know, put it, put, put it right there. Giant black hole of emotional neediness that will suck you dry, you know, just, <laughs> just, just write it on there. You know why that doesn't happen? It's because if there was truth in advertising for people, nobody would ever get married, right? Just take a look at the person next to you right now. Turn to them and say, you are slightly irregular, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Don't have so much fun, but next, next, here's another idea. Next time they're asleep, just take a permanent marker and write, 
SI somewhere on them, you know, like on their neck or their forehead or someplace where, where you'll see it. Because if you have that attitude, then the next time they come at you and they're being, you know, weird and you're like, I am not going to live at peace with you, buddy. You just look at that and go, oh, yeah, I forgot. You're SI. <laughs> I forgot. I took you as is. The truth about our family is they know us better than anybody, right? And the more you know them, the more flaws that you see. And the weird thing is the older you get, the more slightly irregular you get. (laughs) Come on, that's good double entendre right there. (laughs) Old people, am I right? So when my parents want to obsess about how much American Indian we have in our bloodline which I don't care about because it was not enough for a college scholarship or casino ownership, so I don't know what difference it makes. I now have to realize that I am the person, I'm that person to my adult children now as well, right? I, I am that. I, we, we, were, we had our team out in California at a conference this week, and uh, Pastor Todd lives out there. And he was out there, and he took us to this cool night spot out on Huntington Beach one night, and I got carded. I was like, dude, I get a senior discount at IHOP. (laughs) Do you want to see my license or my AARP card? I mean, I could show you either one. But now that I'm older, I remember when I was young and everything worked well, you know, and nothing hurt, and I had a better use of my brain, and I used to think my parents were losing it. Man, they're crazy. And now I'm them. And everyone around your table is wearing a slightly irregular tag this Thursday. Every mad flaming Democrat, every crazy alt-right Republican, and you can't make them regular. That's why God told us, accept one another just as... I wish you, wish you wouldn't do that. He said, forgive one another just as, right? Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Oh yeah, I forgot. I'm S-I also, aren't I? And the way we're going to live at peace is to remember that, okay? Doesn't mean that you can't use tactical evasion, all right? Military term here, okay? We never stop honoring family. It's a command. Sometimes they are difficult and we just have to deal with it um, my mother-in-law has just had surgery, and I was, uh, had a friend ask me to do something, and, well, here's my text message back. Man, I wish I could. I'm in Missouri right now with my mother-in-law who's recovering from sorcery. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It auto-corrected to sorcery. I'm sorry, Carol. It wasn't me, okay? I hope you meant surgery. I meant surgery. That's what I meant. But, but listen, anyone in the military will tell you it is better to avoid a fight than it is to get in one. Here's what the Bible says. If it is possible, okay, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, okay? As far as it is possible and as far as it depends, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That doesn't mean you're going to be able to live at peace with everyone, does it? So, so maybe up front, you ought to have a conversation. And I've already done this with my, you know, multicolored family. I've already said, we're not talking politics. You guys are in my house. We are not talking politics, okay? That, that, that's just the law. I'm laying it down right now. And maybe you ought to do that. Maybe you ought to just use a, a tactical evasion. Get out of it. Agree to disagree and don't talk about it. I've talked to so many people who've said, you know what? I'm just getting off Facebook. I can't deal with it right now, Right? I just can't, I can't deal with it. It's not being helpful. 
And let's, let's be honest, there may come a time um, when you have to just decide that in order to live at peace with everyone, you're not going to be around them. Here's your scripture. You are going to love, this is the best part of the sermon. Listen to this. Jesus said, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your relatives. <laughs> Score! Ah, uh, sorry, mom. You guys can't come over. Jesus said, that's, that's, that's it. I, w- w- what Jesus is saying, and I'll explain that in a second. What Jesus is saying is, as a believer, even your family is not your highest relationship anymore. Jesus was incredibly honoring and respectful to his family. On, his, on the cross, he looked down and took care of his mother. But there's also an interesting passage in Matthew 12 where his family interrupts him while he's doing ministry, and he kind of uses tactical evasion. Jesus is talking to the crowd. His mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone said, they're out there. They want to speak to you. He said, who is my mother and my brother's? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Interesting. I mean, again, we know how much Jesus loved his family. We don't know anything about the situation. We don't know why they came to try to interrupt him. He's teaching in a a home somewhere, and uh, maybe they were embarrassed by him at this point. Maybe they wanted him to do something that wasn't the priority of God in his life. I don't know why they weren't inside. We know his mom is a believer. We know his brother James became a believer and the leader of the first church. We know that. But at this point, for some reason, they have the different priority. And maybe it's just random, but Jesus clearly says, my priority in the kingdom of God is what's in first place. What that might mean for you is that you have people in your life who are acting in bigotry and in hatred or whatever that you need to have a practice tactical evasion for the sake of peace if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. But let's not take the negative, let's take the positive. What if we use this to a tactical advantage? Later on in his letter to the church at Colossae, he says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. I just want to encourage you to make the most of the holidays. Try to evade the bad stuff, but make the most of them. Listen, let your conversation be full of grace Seasoned with salt. I mean, it's not that you're going to give up the truth that you believe in, seasoned with salt, but full of grace so that you may know how to answer everyone. See, you guys, this is a super weird place the world is in right now. Super weird. It's like the whole world seems to be agreeing with Jesus like never before. And the whole world is confused about Christianity like never before. I mean, both candidates were professing Christians. They claimed to be Christians. And they couldn't have been more opposite. So your family is confused. Well, do Christians believe in abortion or not believe in abortion? Do Christians think sexism is okay? Do Christians think bigotry is okay? How can both of these Christians be so wealthy? Do Christians agree with a wall? I mean, these are the questions that people are asking. That's why I kept saying, I don't agree with either one of these candidates. 
And back in June, I, had, I was invited with 300 evangelical leaders to go meet with Donald Trump, and I passed. Because at that point, I did not see what God was doing in his life. I did not want to be a part of what was happening. And I heard that at that, gr- at that meeting, he accepted Christ, and I've seen good things happen from there. But here's what I came up with on the plane on the way home from California. Th- this is what's important. Hashtag, Trump is not my Jesus, Okay. He, he is our president, like it or not, I don't care, but he's not my Jesus, and hashtag neither was Hillary. There's some impossibilities to this conundrum, I will admit, but, but try to help them to understand that Jesus, who Jesus is, that Jesus is about basic human rights and totally against bigotry and against hatred. I made light of Luke 14 where Jesus said he, you didn't have to invite your family, but, but listen to this, listen to what he did say. Turned to his host, he said, when you give a luncheon, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, your neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they can't repay you, although they can't repay you, they will, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You see that? That's what, that's what Jesus was about. We are supposed to be the ones who do care. The poor, the disabled, the people who can't return the favor, the people who have an as-is tag, and it's clear and it's visible. Every once in a while, he's saying, what we need to do is forget about our own self-interest and just over all these virtues, put on love. That's what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. And guys, none of that happens through politics. Love is not governed. Love is given. In this passage, you might have noticed, you know, there's no slave free, Jew, Greek, whatever. It's interesting because Listen, no Gentile Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, big category, Scythian, this, this proper name of a group of people, slave or free. What, what was that all about? Well, who were the Scythians? Why did they get their own category? I'll tell you why. Because to the church, the, the Colossians, the Scythians were the most hated group of people that there was. I could go into a discussion about it, but it doesn't matter. They were considered the worst of the worst. Meaning, whoever you think are the bad people out there, the right, the left, pro-life, pro-choice, Trump supporter, Clinton supporter, illegal immigrant drug dealer, rich white guy, radical Muslim, we don't see things that way because God sees them all as his children. And this may be the year you can use tactical advantage and explain this to your family. Show them how Jesus wants us to treat people. Don't preach to them about how Jesus wants to do it. Show them. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. How did he accept you? S-I, slightly irregular, as is, no conditions. You don't have to get better. And as we head into communion right now, you need to know that. We don't expect you to clean up your act. We don't expect you to have all of your things taken care of. That's why Jesus died on the cross and he accepts you. The catch is, as believers, we're supposed to go do the same thing. I'm going to close with a 
kind of an intro to Christmas that I think will help us as we understand who God is and who Jesus is and why God loves us so much as we get ready for communion. Um, it's written by Harry Reasoner, a television uh, newscaster from many, many years ago. It's about 40 years old, but it's a, it's a beautiful writing, so listen. The basis for Christmas, this annual burst of buying things and gift buying and parties and near hysteria, is a quiet event that Christians actually believed happened a long time ago. You can say that in all societies there has been a midwinter festival and that trappings of Christmas are almost violently pagan, but you come back to the central fact of the day and the quietness of Christmas morning, the birth of God on earth. It leaves you only three ways of accepting Christmas. One is cynically, as a time to make money or endorse the making of it. One is graciously, the appropriate attitude for non-Christians who wish their fellow citizens all the joys their beliefs entitle them. And the third, of course, is reverently. If this is the anniversary of the appearance of the Lord of the universe in the form of a helpless baby, it is, very, it is a very important day. It is a startling idea. My guess, Reasoner said, is that the story that a virgin was selected by God to bear a son as a way of showing his love and concern for man, it's my guess that in spite of lip service given it, it is not an idea that's been popular among theologians. It's a somewhat illogical idea, and theologians like logic almost as much as they like God. It's so revolutionary a thought that it probably could have only come from a God that is beyond logic and beyond theology because it has magnificent appeal. Almost nobody has seen God. Almost nobody has any real idea of what he is like. And the truth is that among men, the idea of seeing God suddenly and standing in a very bright light is not necessarily a completely comforting and appealing idea. But everyone has seen babies, and most people like them. So if God wanted to be loved as well as feared, he moved correctly here. If he wanted to know his people as well as rule them, he moved correctly here. For a baby grows up and learns all about people. If God wanted to be intimately a part of man, he moved correctly. For the experience of birth and familyhood is our most intimate and precious experience. So it comes beyond logic. It is either all falsehood or it is the truest and most beautiful thing in the world. It's the story of the great innocence of God, the baby, God in the power of man, and has such a dramatic shock towards the heart that if it is not true for Christians, nothing can be true. So if a Christian is touched only once a year, the touching is still worth it. And maybe on some given Christmas, some final quiet morning, the touch will take. That's what I pray for you and your family this holiday season. Let's pray. God, I just want to ask that you'd be with us as we uh, spend some time in communion right now. It's a time when we remember what it cost you to allow us to live at peace with you, what it cost you to accept us as is, slightly irregular. It's the whole beauty of grace, and we're thankful for it. But Lord, be with us. Help us to do our best to take that grace and to live at peace with everyone through the holidays. 
let it not be a, a, a problem. Let it not be more argument. Let it be a time to talk about who you really are and what you really want and maybe draw people back to the real heart of what the holidays are supposed to be about. Lord, be with us. And we ask these things in your name. Amen.